This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It's meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Hello and welcome to SuperAge. My name is David Harry Stewart. I'm the founder of Aegist. At SuperAge, we help you live better and become the best version of yourself. And who doesn't want a super age? Today we're going to have a solo episode where we're going to be talking about how much is actually necessary. And then at the end of the show, we're going to be taking reader questions. Welcome to episode 16 of the Super Age podcast. We're airing the week of December the 7th, 2020. And I don't know about anybody else out there, but it has been a long year. Um, You know, this whole COVID thing started getting freaky you know, at February. So we've been doing this about 10 months. And it just, I, I find that it really wears on me. Just simple things like going to the grocery store. All right, I'm going to go to the grocery store. Fine. And I have to wear my PPE. got to wear my mask. And in the back of my mind, I may be exposing myself to a potentially fatal pathogen. That's a lot of stress. That's a lot of stress to just constantly compartmentalize. And I, I think we really got to give ourselves a little bit of slack here about this. Uh, you know, not only is there this really serious stress, but we have a lot less options to mitigate the stress. So I can't really hang out with my friends. I can't go to the movies. I can't go to the gym. So, you know, I'm... I really wait for the holidays, get a bit of a break here. Um, but on the you know on the COVID subject, it sounds like there's a vaccine, and from what I understand, there are three of them. And a good friend of mine is a medical professional, and she told me yesterday that she's in line to get her first shot in two weeks, which is extraordinary. This is a novel pathogen that the human race has never seen before, and we were able to understand it and make a vaccine for it in less than a year. Uh, It's just amazing to me. And I think that when I, what I gain out of this is it's great to have a vaccine for COVID. Yay. Take, that's, um, that's a win. But the process that went, that we all, you know, that the scientists, I didn't have anything to do with it, um, that the scientists and the healthcare professionals went through to develop this vaccine gives me a lot of hope about going, looking to the future. There's, a, you know, a couple other niggly irritants out there to the human race, things like heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's, a whole litany of others, that if this same sort of urgency and sensibility is brought to, i bet we're going to see a lot of breakthroughs coming in the near future. At least I'm, I'm very hopeful about that. And, you know, one of the nice things about thinking that there is a vaccine out there, I don't, you know, I don't know when I'm going to get vaccinated at some point in the next 12 months, but it, it suddenly opens up my mind anyway to a future where we can plan. I, I find that that's been the one of the most difficult things about this is the inability to make plans and especially making plans with any kind of specificity. 
Like, we're, you know, this, we're going to do this on this date. And uh, we just couldn't really do that before because you, you just didn't know. But I mean, now I'm thinking, you know, middle of July, I'm guessing I'll probably be vaccinated then. And I can go to Oregon to see my mom, who's 90, who I haven't been able to see since this whole thing started. Um, and then, you know, just I think that there's something about being able to make any kind of plan in the future with, uh, and again, I'm going to use that word specificity, saying that, okay, you know, we're going to go to this place and we're going to eat this food at this restaurant. Being able to do that, I, I was just never really understood how valuable that was and how much I missed that during COVID because you, you just didn't know, like, oh, there'd be a lockdown, there'd be a, there'd be a who knows what. Uh, and, it, you know, there was just I, I always think of myself as a fairly flexible human being and, you know, just kind of go with it. But after 10 months of this, it's it's I can tell <laughs> it's such a relief to be able to say, like, oh, I'm going to do this on this date. Just after a word from our sponsor, we're going to dive into something that um, I've been thinking a lot about, which is this idea of how much is enough in terms of what we need to do to take care of ourselves. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. Today's show is brought to you by the amazing people at Cary Grand. Cary Grand is a wellness beauty company that I've been exposed to for about the last three months. I've been using their products. I've gotten to know the company. I've gotten to know the, the management there, the people who work there, their products. Um, and I got to say, this company walks the walk. Um, when they talk about green beauty or natural beauty, I have never seen a company that goes to the extent that they do, and their products are fantastic. I use their serum on my face. I use their body oil on the rest of me. And the thing that I'm really just super jazzed about is their sunblock. And any of you who know me, you know that I am a connoisseur of sunblock. <laughs> I've tried it all. I, I know a lot about sunblock. This is the best stuff I've ever used. It smells great. It goes on my skin great. I put it on every day. Um, huge fan. So if you're into it, check them out. Um, Cary Grant is spelled K-A-R-I-G-R-A-N. And for Aegis listeners, you get 20% off site-wide, any of their products. Um, and it's all great stuff. So that's 20% off at Cary Grant. Use the word Aegis20 at checkout. That's A-G-E-I-S-T, the number's 20 at checkout. Um, let me know how you feel about the sunblock. Are you like as in love with it as I am? <laughs> I think you will be. So what we're going to talk about today is this idea of what what is enough. And I've been reading and noticing that, uh, you know, in some of the popular newspapers and organizations, they'll say, well, if you walk 30 minutes three times a week, um, you're that's that's great. That's a that's a wonderful thing. And now I wonder about that and I think, hmm, okay. Wonderful in what context? And I I know what they're saying is that um, walking, you know, whatever it is, 30 minutes a day, five days a week, whatever it is, uh, is better than not walking. One hundred percent. Any activity is better than no activity. But what's really required? Like, where, does, where do we really need to be? And I'm reminded of something that Greta Thornburg 
was saying about global warming. And she was saying that all of these little improvements we're doing are just wholly inadequate. They're not going to do it. And, well, whatever we think of Greta and, and that subject, I, I really remember that phrase that she used because what I'm seeing is there's a huge amount of downplaying by experts out in the field about what's really necessary for us to take care of ourselves at some sort of optimal condition. And I know that I know where this is coming from because they fear that they'll scare people if if they tell people what they, what they personally are doing, what the experts are doing, um, or what is really needed to be done. So this is the sort of thing that you know I see often in uh, you know network television, newspapers, stuff like that. And you know you'll hear someone say like, "Oh yes, well you just want to have fun, you know, have a good time, go out there and play with the dog or whatever." Now some of these people I know personally, and I, you know they're in the gym pushing a two hundred pound sled. They're like, they run. <laughs> They're doing like really intense activity, but they don't want to scare people with that. And, you know, this idea of not wanting to tell people what's really required or even what they are personally doing because they don't want to alienate them, they don't want to alienate their audience is pervasive. Now, if you're listening to the Super Age podcast, you're not one of those people. So I know you're not going to be easily alienated. So I'm going to tell you what the real deal is here. And, you know, just I'm going to take a little bit of a sidetrack here. If you think about this in the world of finance, they do exactly the same thing. And I was I was speaking to a gentleman the other day who's um, MBA, and we were discussing the way that these big financial companies – they have these models that they build about, well, you're such and such age and you should have you know, this distribution of stocks and bonds and you're going to live this long. And uh, He said the problem with these is they're all built on the assumption that people have not saved enough for retirement and they don't want to scare people with what that number should really be or what you need to do to get to that number. So instead, what they do is they adjust their models. And... Again, this is a little off topic here, but the, I mean, the reality here is if you have a million dollars of investments in the bank or in some form, that's going to throw off 4%. That's $40,000 a year. So if you can live on $40,000 a year, plus maybe you get some social security or something else somewhere else, that's good. If you can't live on that, you're going to need more than a million dollars in the bank. And... They don't want to tell you that because that seems like a gigantic number and impossible and they don't want to alienate you. But, hey, that's just the math. Uh, so it's something that – I don't know. I see this a lot with fitness too. And so I'm, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I do. And just right off the bat – um, I'm going to tell you that the stuff that I do, I do not recommend that you do. I'm just telling you this as a point of information as this is what I do. I do – one of the things I do a lot of is HIIT training. HIIT training is extraordinarily stressful on your body. You should not be engaged in HIIT training until you've had a physical and you've had a doctor tell you that this is going to be okay. 
because it's really, um, it's stressful. That's the point of it. You want your body to adapt to the stress. Now, I also walk. I walk at night. And I walk at about, about 30 minutes at night to de-stress my body. Walking is de-stressing. Walking does not apply load to my body. It doesn't cause me to, uh, for my body to adapt to a stress response. Um, it's just like a pleasant nice thing to do at night, which helps me go to sleep. It has nothing to do with my fitness. Now, that may not be the case for everyone, but that's how it works for me. So l- let's talk about HIIT training. And the thing, uh, so HIIT training is high intensity interval training. Why do we want to do HIIT training? Well, for one thing, it's tremendously beneficial to the cardiovascular system. It is stressful, which cause an adaptation response from your body. That's good. You want that. Um, You will release growth hormones. You'll get a lot of endorphins. And for me, I love HIIT training because... All right, true confession here. I love getting high. And this is how I get high. I like lose my mind in hit training and it's like the best thing all day. <laughs> so, um, how do you do hit training? So the right way to do hit training is you need a heart rate monitor that works. And um, you know, there's like a, a lot of versions of these things out there. You can, you know, whatever works for you. The the important thing here are the how you calibrate this. And it used to be everything is sort of pegged to your maximum heart rate. And it used to be the maximum heart rate formula was you would take 220 minus your age. I'm 62, so that means my maximum heart rate should be 158. This is not true because I often train with my heart rate sort of in the mid-160s. So not true, right? So I, I did a little research, and the cardiologists have come up with a new formula which is 208, so that's 208 minus 70% of your age should be your maximum heart rate. So for me, that's 164. And if my heart rate is at 164, that's really, really hard. That's, I I mean, I can get to like 165, 166. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to die at that point. I don't. Maximum heart rate training is um, again super stressful. I only do this about once a week um, because it's really, really hard on the body. But so let's just go to kind of normal hit training. Um, and w- what hit training is? So you're doing intervals. So you're doing um, a rest interval. So in, you know you sort of warm up. You get your heart rate up to. For me, I get it up to like one twenty five, one thirty, something like that. It takes me about thirty minutes on the bike, or not thirty minutes. I'm sorry, five minutes on the bike. And so that sort of lower end is the platform that then I sort of take off into the um, the higher intervals. And so generally that's thought of as like 70 to 90% of your maximum heart rate. So for me, that's 139. 139 doesn't really do it for me. I like to be more like one in like 150. So I, I like to do my intervals at like 95% my maximum. Um, and then I'll hold that for about a minute. That hurts. Um, and then back off. And so this is this is where the genius of this comes through. So I need to like back off and I go to like, I just turn the resistance way down on the bike, slow down, and I wait and I watch my heart rate monitor until it gets down for me into the like, you know, 
115 range. And then I can take off again. And what you'll find when you're doing HIIT training is that, for one thing, it becomes, as you get more and more fit and more your cardiovascular system adapts to this, the amount of effort you have to put in to get that same higher heart rate becomes harder and harder because your body's become more efficient. But also, the re- you, you slip down into recovery much quicker. Your, your body will adjust. And you'll see the first, say, one or two rounds of this, you may drop back fairly quickly, but by round three or four, the recovery is much less because the cardiovascular system has been overwhelmed at that point. So what do I do? Um, I do four rounds of this. Um, you know, I start, as I said, a sort of a rest period, rest plateau of like 115, and then then I crank it up, and that and I get up to like, you know, mid-150s, 155. I'll try and keep it there for about a minute and then bring it back down. That'll Those rounds are about five minutes, uh, and the whole thing takes me with a five-minute warm-up, five-minute cool-down. I'm at about 30 minutes, and my total calorie burn on that is around 330, something like that. Um, just like a, a kind of a quick note um, about losing weight. A lot of people want to know about like losing weight. Um, so I'm going to tell you a couple facts about losing weight. Um, a pound of fat is about 3,500 calories. So if you do a weekly calorie deficit of 3,500, you lose a pound of fat. Simple as that. Uh, the, but the, one of the, the, the things about this is you want your body to be burning the fat stores in your body. And your body has three forms of energy. So the, the quickest one that it that accesses right away is the glucose that's in your cells. And, and that's the stuff that like, you know, if you, if you need to like just like run up the stairs really quickly, that's, that's what's being used. Your muscles are being fired by that glucose, by that fuel. The second group, uh, the second big holder of energy in your body is in your liver. So your liver holds a glucose store. And then if your body exhausts both of these, guess what's left? Fat. So you want to be, in, if, if, you're, if you want to lose fat, and not everybody does, but if you want to, you want to be in a state where you don't, like neither one of those um, small stores of energy are filled up. So for me, what I do is I do a little bit of intermittent fasting. So if I s- stop eating at like six at night, and then I do my HIIT training at like eight or nine in the morning, I'm already pretty hungry. And I know that once I get on the bike, there's there's like no gas left in those cells or really in my liver. My body has to has to click over and use the energy stores that are in my fat. And as a professional bodybuilder told me this once, that like you, your body is either, you're either storing fat or burning fat, but you can't do both at the same time. Meaning if I get up and I have some food, so people are like, well, don't exercise on an empty stomach. Well, okay, so you build up those energy reserves in your liver, in your cells, and then when you do HIIT training or any other kind of exercise like this, what's happening is you're just using that fuel. You're not even getting to the fat. So tip from pro bodybuilders.
Now, the other thing, I just want to get into a little something else here about the recovery from HIIT training. Because HIIT training is really, I'm going to say it again, it is really stressful on your body. And as you get older, recovery from stress is harder. So one of the big problems when people start some kind of an exercise program is they overtrain. And how do you know if you're overtraining? Well, a good way to know about that is to have an understanding of your resting heart rate. Um, my resting heart rate is about 52 um, when I'm not stressed. So I know that if I go to bed, like, I, you know, I kind of look at my heart rate before I go to bed. Um, and if, if my resting heart rate, if I can't get my heart rate down below like, you know, 60, 64, I know I'm overtraining. My body is now is an, is an overstressed condition and I need to chill out. So I need like a day or two of just nothing. Just take it easy. If I continue to stress my body with having that elevated heart rate, I'm going to get sick. My immune system is going to collapse. Bad things are going to happen. So again, you, you want to modulate this. You want to, you want to pay attention to your body. And if you're just starting, you know, you want to start walking and then you want to sort of build up some sort of an aerobic platform within your body before you get into some serious anaerobic stuff like HIIT training. Um, otherwise, it's just, it's going to be too much of a shock to your body. Now, the, the other thing I do is I do, I'm a big believer in strength training because what happens as we get older is uh, our metabolism slow down. And part of the reasons our metabolism slow down is because our muscle mass decreases. And so, you know, you have to like lift weight. You have to, you have to apply resistance to your muscles. You don't have, I'm going to take this back. You don't have to lift weight. You just have to have resistance of some kind on your muscles. And, you know, there are different schools of thought on this. Some people are into the fairly heavy weight, less reps. Other people are into more reps, less weight. Some people seem to feel that um, less weight, more reps is easier on your joints. Other people feel the opposite. You want, um, you know, the, the, the destruction of the joint comes from the rep itself, not from the weight on it. I'm kind of in the middle on that. Um, I've, I've done both. Um, I, personally, I think that a lot of the stress on the joints comes from the muscles being tensed after the work and putting an inappropriate stress on the joint because the, because the, the muscle is, is tighter. So when, for me, when I lift weights, I need to stretch a lot. Um, particularly, like for me, it's my quads. My quads get really tight, and then my knees start to ache. But if I strongly, I really, really stretch the quad to the point where it won't go anymore, it releases. Like it just, it, it just lets go, and then pain in my knee instantly goes away. That's just me. Um, so with with strength training, I find that you know, at 62, I need about five to six days per muscle group to recover, to, to fully recover. And the way 
strength training works is it's an adaptation response. It's the same way that HIIT training works. So with HIIT training, it's an adaptation response of your cardiovascular system to this stress you've put on it. Like essentially what your body is saying, uh, you know, oh my gosh, you were almost eaten by a lion. Um, We need to make you faster because next time there might be a faster lion. Uh, So there's this, you know, adaptation response. And with strength training, it's the same thing. So you want to stress the muscle. If you're not stressing the muscle, it's not going to grow. If you don't stress your body with some kind of load, your bones are not going to adapt. Um, and you know, along those lines, when back when I had a gym, one of my favorite things was the deadlift. And I could only, you know, like a, I used to deadlift a lot. Not a lot. I mean, for me, a lot. It was like 300 pounds. But I could only do five of those a week, like five lifts total. That was it because it was so much stress on my body. I would, I would set it down after the fifth lift and my, I just felt like, you know, you just feel this like surge of hormones through your body and your body is saying like, oh my God, what did you just do to us? But that's the adaptation response. The, again, the trick is you don't want to make the frequency of that so tight that you don't get a full adaptation response. If you're not fully adapted, you're stressing part of your body that's already stressed and hasn't recovered, and that's when you're going to get collapse. That's that's when you're going to get injury. Um, so what do I do now? So what I do now is a lot of body weight stuff. I do pull-ups. I do push-ups. I've got a modest set of kettlebells. Kettlebells are really awesome. Um, you can really do some... Uh, you can really work yourself with those. I have some bands that I use, some elastic bands. Those are pretty good. Uh, and then I do a lot of core work. Uh, for, for core work, I find I can never, I just hate, who enjoys core, core work, right? It's just like, I don't know, it's a drag. So what I do is I use the, you know, I use this Veris app and they have an Equinox part of it. And I just go, I just tap in there and I do like, you know, 20-minute core workout, and then I've got somebody telling me what to do to hold whatever for how long. And that seems to work for me. So do I do this every day? No, I don't. Um, I try and take at least two days a week off where I don't do much. Um, I'm up in the mountains. I actually went, this is terrible to say, but I went skiing this morning. It's kind of awesome. Um, But skiing isn't really a, a training activity. It's just like really fun. You do all this other stuff so you can do that well so you don't get hurt, right? Um, but it's important, like on Saturdays, I do nothing. I just don't move. I barely get off the sofa and I let my body recover. And I, that's, I think really important to listen to your body when you're doing any of this stuff and get a sense of who you are, where your body's at, what your body needs and what it can handle. And it's one of the things I've noticed you know, people who are athletes, like real, real athletes, they're super tuned to their bodies. And most of the rest of us aren't. We're just, our bodies are just sort of these things that like, you know, help us move around. But understanding what you need and when you need it is probably the best guide for a lot of this. Um, You know, your resting heart rate, again, that's a really good one. Um, Some of the sort of body uh, monitoring stuff. Like I, I wear a whoop, so they're all about um, heart rate variability. Yeah, that's, 
helpful, but it's not like the whole deal. Um, it's, it's really like how you feeling at the moment. Do you think that doing some exercise right now is a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, I find that oftentimes at about three o'clock in the afternoon, I get a little tired and I think, oh, maybe I want a cup of coffee, but how about I just hold plank for a couple minutes? And that <laughs> does the same thing, right? Just wakes me right up. Um, so I guess what I want to say here is that a lot of what we're told that A, what we're capable of is not true, and B, what we need to do, they tend to dial it back. And I, I want to just call out um, Joan. And Joan is my poster child for this. Joan, there's a woman named Joan who lives, I think she's, she's American, but I think she's like down in Tulum a lot. And she has an Instagram feed called Training with Joan. Joan was, I don't know, 220 or something. She was couch potato. She was a total marshmallow until she was, I think, 69 or 70. And then her daughter is a trainer. And the daughter got her into lifting. And if you look at Joan's Instagram feed, Joan is ripped. Um, Joan's as strong as I am. Joan can crank off 10 Dead hang pull-ups at 72 year old, 72 years old. She's a woman. I think she's she's down to like 140 or something or 135. Uh, so, you know, this stuff is possible. <laughs> it's, they just, I feel like so many people out there, they're telling us, you can't do this. Oh, be very careful. Oh, gosh, like you're just washed up. Give it up. <laughs> Have a look at Joan. <laughs> yeah. So there we go. So this week, I put out on Instagram, um, ask me anything. (laughs) And so Violet wants to know, her question is, retirement after age 66, any ideas on a third act? Well, Violet, I would say that retirement is actually a fairly dangerous thing to do if you don't have a plan. Um, Human beings without a purpose become untethered really quickly. So I would say if you're going to pull back from your job or leave your job, have something else lined up. Uh, you really want to sort of go into this with a full calendar and have your days mapped out. Um, you know, you really just don't want to end up in your living room watching television all day. That's that's not a good thing. I find that uh, in talking to people, this having this sense of purpose, and especially how can you help other people. And as somebody I heard, I think it was Barack Obama said, um, we need to stop thinking about what we want to be and think more about what we want to do. So I would think about that. Like, what do you want to do? How can you help people? How can you make an impact? That, um, I don't know, Barack's a sharp, sharp guy. Um, that's what he says. Um, and then we have another question from Apjil, I think. I don't know, Instagram name. Apjo wants to know, do I have children? I don't, <laughs> that I know of anyway. Um, you know, the, I don't know. Kids just, this was never really that interesting to me. There was always a lot of other things I wanted to get done. Um, and I don't know. I think that, that uh, children work out really well for some people. I think it's like awesome for them. Um, and other people don't. I'm, I'm one of the people that don't. Brandon sent me a message, and he wants to know about sleep. Um, Brandon's having some trouble sleeping, and he wants to know what my thoughts are about getting good night's sleep. And 
getting a getting a good night's sleep, if if uh, all this other stuff that we talked about earlier in the episode today, it's really predicated upon sleeping. Sleeping is where the recovery happens, and if we're not sleeping, it's just it's really not a good thing. So, Brandon, what I would say is I'm I'm going to tell you what again what works for me. Um, careful with the caffeine. Um, I love coffee, <laughs> but after 11 o'clock in the morning, no go. Can't do that. So no chocolate, no tea, no nothing for me after about 11 in the morning. Otherwise, that will affect my sleep. I like to have a really quiet, very dark environment um, when I sleep. I'm sensitive to sound, so I've, I've just gotten used to I just sleep with like a pillow over my ear. Um, the other thing that I like to do, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, is I like to go for a walk before bed. I find that that's really helpful. I don't keep any electronic. I stop looking at electronic devices about, I don't know, 8 o'clock at night. And even then, I make sure that they're in night mode because you don't want any blue light um, hitting your face. Uh, just a word on blue light. There seems to be... A uh, real fad of people um, changing out their light bulbs for LED lights. Uh, LED lights are great because they don't use a lot of electricity. However, LED lights come in different flavors. They come in different color temperatures. And if you look at the package on the side of the LED, it'll tell you there'll be something with a K after it. So it'll say 5500K or 2800K. The, the higher the number, the bluer the light. The first thing I did when we we're, were in this um, vacation rental here is I replaced every light bulb in the place because they were all cool daylight bulbs, meaning they were about 6,000 degrees Kelvin. They were really blue. And looking at that light, you know, after sundown, cues your body to stay awake. So be careful with the blue light, especially anywhere in the bedroom, anywhere where you're around. You want to have the light much more in the yellow-orange range. So for me, I choose light bulbs that are you know around 3,000 degrees Kelvin, which are sort of around the temperature of a traditional um, tungsten light bulb. Try that. Um, some people like magnesium at night. That seems to help them sleep. Um, some people like to take melatonin. Your melatonin production falls off with age. Um, I take uh, a very low dose, 300 milligram, uh, six hour time release melatonin before I go to sleep. I find if I take the bigger, like, you know, these like elephant doses they sell at CVS, like one gram, five gram, I just feel like hung over the next day. It doesn't work for me. Um, but th- that seems to work for other people. Uh, some people like CBD. Um, I don't do that. Uh, I don't know much about it, but it seems to seems to work out pretty well. If if you're not sleeping, Brennan, figure out why it is and solve the problem. Because you know, lack of sleep. If you're not sleeping well, um, you're damaging your brain. You're damaging your body. You're not going to be able to function very well the next day. You're not going to be up for any kind of physical training. It's really a top priority to figure out what works for you best. Thanks, everybody, for being here this week. If you liked this podcast, there's a thing in the podcast in iTunes where you can rate and review, and you can give me a grade. You can go from one to five. I prefer the five, but 
whatever works for you. And you can live a review in there, too. And, you know, try and say something nice. We try and do our best here. Uh, or if you want to contact me directly, you can send a note to david at superage.com. And it's it's sort of a new thing where um, I'm soliciting your questions. I will answer within reason pretty much anything you want to ask me. Um, and we'll, we'll put it out the following week. And thanks, everybody, for your questions this week. They were great. And everybody, have a great rest of the week. And we'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening. Bye now.